Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Jerome. And I'm Kenyon, and you should just hit pause right now if you haven't seen both Soul and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, because... <laughs> Spoils. Spoilers. We got some spoilers today, honey. Honey. <laughs> I would keep that. Would you? Could you? I would. I In a would. box? <laughs> On a train. With some locks? I would love some locks. <laughs> oh, you meant like locks on the box. I thought you meant like no lox. Would you in a oh, box good, with yeah. some locks? Oh, girl with some locks, I'd do anything. <laughs> anything, anything <laughs> for, for you. <laughs> um, maybe we should just do it one more time. Okay, but maybe the last one was it. But maybe we should do it. One more time. Okay, so we're gonna do it three more times. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Jerome. And I'm Kenyon. And if the words Soul and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom don't immediately conjure full cinematic universes for you because you haven't seen them yet, pause. Spoiler alert to all the little honeys at home before you proceed into this episode. Yanny. Now you're back from outer space. Yeah. Okay, options. Options galore. Who needs melody Girl. when you have options? Now that's, <laughs> I can't agree with that. <laughs> I certainly can't well, that. Well. Who needs melody when you have <laughs> options? Oh, that is funny. I was talking about melody um, with somebody today and... <laughs> As always. I mean... Melody, it's the contour of our lives. It's the thread that keeps all things together. Mm-hmm, it's the wave mm-hmm. that we ride through the song, you know? Um, oh my God. Do you want to teach my class? <laughs> <laughs> We're starting Melody on Thursday. <laughs> Great, I'm coming. I'll see you there. Um, I was talking about Melody, and <laughs> we were both saying that, you know, there are great melodies out there, you know, that you just sing them and... You know, just sing the melody. No harmonies needed. You don't have to even worry about the time. Just the melody is, like, iconic. Um, mm-hmm. None are coming to mind off the top of my head, actually, right now. You know what? which one always does it for me? Mm. Why do birds? <sighs> I just let, like, that is beautiful. That's such a beautiful collection of intervals. Oh, and kind of in an opposite way. Look at me. Literally in an opposite way. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have such affinity for both of those songs. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Um, both great melodies. Sing them, you know, alone. Hum them to yourself. And, you know, just live for the melody of it all. Then there yeah. is another class of melody, which is like, I'm sitting on one note and the chords are changing around me. And oh, yeah. it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have oh, to say yeah. that I think I primarily write the second type of melody. <laughs> now that I think you do, and that I actually would agree with. But you know what that is serving me is, um, and I'll still meet you in the middle of the night, but if you'd lie to me, lie to me, lie, lie to me. That's good. 
That song I, is all the same note, which is so hot. Except for people what. change, which is just a major triad. And that's like, <laughs> how did you do that? It's just like, well, it's like sometimes people who are putting out music, sometimes even I am out here like, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel to create a new thing. And it's like... Well, it's like, you know, it, we've only got 12 notes, right? Mm. Like, we've only got 12 tones. <laughs> At Vi Heart. Oh, my God. Vi Heart. <laughs> my queen. If you're listening Vi to Heart. this, please come on the show. Oh, my God. Let's get Vi Heart on the show. Let's I would actually, actually pass away. <laughs> yes. I love them. Yes. Um, but it's like, you know, kind of the simplicity and the, like, deep complexity is is there at once right that like you know when you actually think about if even if you just take like western pop music it's like you know we're not working with that many different chords we're not like the melodies are the rhythms are not that different like the the ranges of things are are pretty refined mm-hmm. but then like you know we've got Infinite songs. It's like, what's up with that? <laughs> it's wilderness, honestly. Um, I love that. I mean, I'm definitely one for context. You know, I'm like, I love feeling things change against each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like, well, let's just have the melody be these two notes. But like, there are actually like 70 chords. Under them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like... The context, exactly what you said. So when you said context, that's what I agree with. I say context, you say context. Context? Context. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I actually Uh, had a lot of fun doing that little (laughs) fun game. (laughs) Hey, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back and also here in the future times. Now, is it the future now? Well, right now, to whoever's listening, it will be mm-hmm. the future from once I have said this. So our listeners are in the future from us now. Right. I mean, I'm time travelers, all of you. I dub the all time travelers. Girl, you're the damn time traveler's wife. <laughs> Stop. Don't bring Rachel McAdams into this. <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> why? Give me one good reason why I should not bring up Rachel McAdams. Actually, on second thought, please welcome to the stage. <laughs> Guest, Rachel McAdams. She's a queen. Um, I love Rachel McAdams. Uh, no, it's 2021. Did I say on the last podcast that this is the first year we're closer to 2050 than 1990? You did. You did say well, that. Well, it's still blowing my mind. <laughs> that, that means that that fact has been stuck in my head for like four weeks or something. The, we, the last episode was not four weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. But doesn't it feel like it was maybe three months ago? I mean, 2050. Wow. 2050 feels like that's at least three months from now. <laughs> Ooh, don't say that. <laughs> My school, in middle school, we had like a, a project, the 2050 project, where we had to Ooh. like, you know, conceive of something that would be, you know, what in the distant future, you know, like, and now it's like, TikTok. <laughs> oh, it's just down the road. Yeah, ease on down. It is kind of wild that my brain is like, yeah, 2050, that's 50 years from now. First of all, I was not like 
conscious in the year 2000. <laughs> I was three <laughs> years old. <laughs> so it's not like I was really sitting there conceptualizing 2050. But also, it's not 50 years from now. It is now 29 years from now. And that's awful. <laughs> that's awful. What are, what are your 2050 predictions? Oh, no. Um, one, give me one thing you think is going to happen in 2050. I predict that the majority of people will be queer. No, I don't predict that. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually my wish. That's my wish. But you know what? Actually, I can, if I could gaze into the future, um, I would say that We Love That is still in 2050. In 2050. <laughs> 29 years from now, How we'll be here. How many episodes will we have? <laughs> 3,000? <000? laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, woof. I mean, do you have any predictions for 2050? For 2050? Give me um, not like a societal prediction, but a you prediction. That, that's where I was me, getting caught up. I was like, who knows what everybody else is going to be in 2050? I know what I'll be doing. <laughs> well, tell me that. No, I asked <laughs> what you, you be first. Doing in, 2050? <laughs> in 2050, I will be... That's 29 years for... Well, let's be honest. Second marriage, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a good thing. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Well, um, 29 years from now, I mean, I'll have children. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Well, if I don't have them by 2050, it's probably not likely that I'll get them after that point. These are considerations. Um, 2050, I, I hope that I'm happy. I hope you know what I mean. Now that I'm choosing this to live in the future, to gaze into the future, what about you? You're the one who said that you had a personal idea, a vision of love for yourself. I do have a vision of love for myself. In 2050, absolutely, live performance will be back by then. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be getting to perform live again. That's my 2050 2050 will be back to gigging. <laughs> we'll be back on that circuit. I will have moved to New York by that point. <laughs> Maybe in that year. All right. Have you looked out into the world recently? Have you seen any moments in it? I actually have seen a moment for the world. And it's on a little app that they call Instagram. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> because guess what? What? Your favorite podcast has a new Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> At We Love That Podcast. On Instagram. That's us. That's this podcast on Instagram. We have said for I don't know how many times, for how long, that we wanted a robust, a thriving, a populated (laughs) comment section. Um, Absolutely. Oh my God, the true comment section can finally jump out. And yeah, you can't really get that on Apple Podcasts. So, (laughs) Or Um, on Spotify. Okay. (laughs) Don't be trying to point fingers, (laughs) darling dear. Um. Truly, the one who has to get the shout-out is Elof, who <laughs> has been pushing for the Instagram from day one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, honestly. Got us all the way here. Correct. Uh, yeah, follow us over there. Um, 
I'll I'll be posting Kenyon's social security number. <laughs> so if you'd like to take a peek, you've got to follow, but it's only it'll be on close friends. So you gotta follow and you know, all that. I was going to ask, you know, what kind of content should the people be expecting? <laughs> um and now we know it's of the kind of financial the personal information variety. Right. Can somebody say pin number? Kenyon, what is your pin number? Well, it's Did you hear it? I think you cut out. Okay, well, it's the internet connection is funky. There's something weird going on. Uh, no, not lag. It's lagging. It's totally lagging. Sorry. Um, what about you, Kenyon? Any moments for the world? Any Watched anything recently? Wink, wink. What do you mean watched any? I don't like visual media. This is not true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> feeling so silly today. What's happening? So silly. Oh, such silly 2021 energy. I can't believe. Okay, actually, my I do think I do have a moment for the world, which is that um, there's a new book that is coming to a theater near you. And by a theater, I mean a local bookstore. Okay. Um, that's called The Prophets. Have you heard of this book? No. By Robert Jones Jr. Um, Robert Jones is a black queer author, writer, activist teacher and runs the um social page son of baldwin okay um Mm -hmm. you know after james baldwin um and he has been for a long time teasing his new book um which is coming out very soon and i'm really excited because it tells the story of two enslaved people who are queer and their love in the midst of that time um and i Let's just say it's pre-ordered. That sounds intense, honestly. It really does. Um, But it satisfies the... Well, I hope it satisfies. um, Or speaks to... I don't know. I'm always looking for my queer history. Because I feel like that is consistently erased. um, Mm -hmm. And is something that I feel like I just have had little access to. Um, And this... I don't know. this, This is just... This speaks exactly to that. Cool. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping it's good. Yeah. Um, it's getting like rave, you know, reviews, like the, like he's the, you know, re- writing in the lineage of Toni Morrison, James Baldwin, like comes the debut novel from oh, Robert right. Jones Jr. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> better hop up in that little family tree. Right. Right. Yo. Um, well, I'll be interested to hear how that is. I'm excited. I famously, uh, I don't really read books. I love owning them. I love purchasing books. <laughs> Not property. <laughs> well, ugh, yeah, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm describing. <laughs> I love to go to a bookstore and say, ooh, that looks good, and buy it. And that is the end of the story. <laughs> Very well read, you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know how they say that, like, if you go on a date with someone, but then they don't have any books in their apartment, then you shouldn't go on another date with them? Have you heard that before? I've heard it said. Um, Well, I took that a little literally, I think. (laughs) I have the books. I, 
I'm not sure what exactly it says about me other than that, <laughs> that I own books. I, I should read one of these books one time. What's getting me these days is that because, you know, no one can see anybody in person, never again, um, is that everyone's, I feel like everyone's Zoom setups, like Zoom backgrounds got curated and I missed the oh, memo. Absolutely. Because people are logging on with just bookshelves oh, yeah. behind them. And I'm like, there's a blank wall behind me. It actually looks like I live in a dark room. And actually do nothing. <laughs> well, Kenyon, I want to describe what I'm looking at when I'm looking at you on Zoom. Yeah. You've got a very cool baseball cap on, which is serving me hip teen. You've got an over-ear headphone, which, you know, you know, to me says I'm a, a music official. And to compound on that, there is a grand piano behind you and you're wearing a Moonchild sweatshirt. <laughs> I wouldn't say that your Zoom presence is not curated. You know what? Uh, I'll have to take that into consideration and maybe reformulate <laughs> some of my earlier statements. I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. So just, uh, just something to think about. We'll throw. We, hey, we'll throw it up on the Instagram. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> then we all can clown Kenyon. <laughs> I love this Instagram idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> Always what I wanted. Kenyon. So today, I'd love to dive into our little topic, which is a little indie film. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. It's from a small, like, art house kind of film company. (laughs) Um, Yeah, very independent, um, low budget. But they do Um, a lot of, like, forward thinking. They're really trying to, like, push technological envelopes. We are talking about Disney Pixar's soul. Yes, um, here's what I will say about Soul. I don't, not that I haven't seen a commercial for it. I just think it's very interesting how, like, everyone was like, and I'll be watching Soul today. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, I didn't see a lot of, like, discourse leading up to the release of Soul. However, everyone I know watched it within three days. <laughs> I mean, and I no think, one t- like I didn't talk to anyone about it. like it just was like, and now we've all seen Soul. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's this speaks to two things, which is mm-hmm. that um, we are all still desperately inside and living off of our computer screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing, which is that I think companies are trying to recoup some of their costs at this time you know box office numbers it's like you know five million dollars or something that you're making at the box office and compared to you know the goo gobs of cash that you thought um <laughs> goo gobs <laughs> <laughs> you've never heard of goo gobs Kenyon, simply not at all <laughs> never before goo gobs like I'm sorry, Goo-Gon? I love a Goo-Gon. Do you know what Goo-Gon is? Um, it's some product. It's I like a Tide stick that yes. gets rid of the goo. Yes, yes. I think. Goo-Gobs. Uh, like Goo-Gobs. <laughs> that is not a thing. I, sub- <laughs> I humbly submit for, re- for review and approval. Goo-Gobs, okay? So... I know there are people out there who know what I'm talking about. 
I don't know any of those people. (laughs) (laughs) They are not friends of mine. (laughs) What was I even saying? Goo gobs. That's what you were saying. You were saying goo gobs. I was saying that this is a, the lack of marketing beforehand Mm -hmm. is a, is a real cash shaver. Let's just say that. It's you like, know what? You're right. <laughs> who needs to market anything when we can put a big banner on, you know, Disney Plus and everyone's mm-hmm. already logged into it anyway? So you're right. And well, you know, clearly they didn't need to. Clearly it worked. <laughs> Ooh. Um, soul. Opening question. Did you okay. feel the soul? I will be honest. I did feel the soul. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this movie so much. <laughs> and I cried three times. <laughs> I wish I could say that I was shocked, but I'm just not. <laughs> Where? I did cry three times. I guess, oh, you spoilers. Know, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. See, we're learning. <laughs> Unlike when we're talking about A Star is Born. <laughs> we're like, yeah, so, well, spoiler alert for A Star is Born. Yeah, you know, Bradley Cooper kills himself at the end, and we all know that, and let's just get that out of the way at the at the top. <laughs> Goodness, we got to put spoilers, trigger warnings now. Look at you. Spoiler alert for Soul. We're talking about Soul and the plot of Soul. So uh, the first time that a tear came to my eye is when he (laughs) is playing with Dorothea Williams, who is iconically voiced by Angela Bassett, we just have to say, who you have personally interacted with, which is iconic. (laughs) (laughs) She sung with me. (laughs) I still can't believe it. She's an honorary (laughs) with Is that true? That's literally true. (laughs) Of course Angela Bassett is an honorary whiff and poof. She stood up and was like, can I sing with y'all? And I said, (laughs) (laughs) He said, absolutely. Are you asking me permission to do something? To do anything? (laughs) Miss Angela Bassett? Ugh. Anyway, um, he finishes the gig with Dorothea, and then... His mom claps and says, that's my baby. So that, I was like, you know, stories about mothers are always going <laughs> to get me. Um, so the, a single tear there. Mm-hmm, Just as I was mm-hmm. like, that is so, you know, like the, the point of this movie isn't his relationship with his mother. And yet we still got this great storyline out of it. Then when he's sitting at the piano... And he is thinking about his life. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> that really took me away. Like, I was crying, crying. Like, I was like, this is too much. <laughs> like, he loves his life. Like, he lo- like it wasn't even like, oh, he's reflecting on, like, being with his dad before his dad died and, like, how he and his mom had to get through that and that's so sad. Obviously, that was very moving. But just the fact of, like, he loves his life. Like, he's thinking about life and, like growing in appreciation and love for life and for living his life. And that is so moving. (laughs) That is so moving and wonderful. Then, okay, at the end, when he opens the door and he's just beaming, he's just smiling. (laughs) He's smiling and in the sun and so joyous to be living another day. And then it cuts to soul. That killed me. That I was like... You all took me out, and 
I uh, that was incredible. Wow. Just the word soul means so much. <laughs> yeah. The moment at the piano, the second one that you're talking about, really did actually send me because mm-hmm. that is like my mood of like <laughs> when he started taking everything out <laughs> and putting it on the music stand, like he was going to play it. And then he starts playing. I, yes. Like when I he's was looking like, at the items and then he starts playing them. I felt that actually very deeply. And like, that's how I, f- I don't know. That's how I feel when I sit down at the piano and I don't know. <laughs> and it was giving me very like, you know, Pauline Oliveros, like text scores. Yes. 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 <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes. To that. Uh, if y'all don't know Pauline, not Pauline, Pauline Oliveros. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Good duty, Pauline. <laughs> um, work. Absolutely incredible work. Um, but just the idea of like, you know, we're used to music notation that is notes on a staff, but what if it was anything else? What read if the music out everything of... Everything was notation. Literally, life is is to be read and it is to be made music of. Yeah, we... Absolutely. Okay, so you're you're out here giving it how many stars out of how many stars? Um, out of five stars, I'd give it eight. Okay, no, well then I'd give it okay. like four and a half. <laughs> okay, I'd give it four or four and a half. I really enjoyed it. I really did, and I just like like it. You know, it's a movie about music. I was like, okay, I'm going to love this. Like, in the very beginning when he's playing in front of the students, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be incredible. <laughs> yeah. I how, Okay, how are you responding to... I feel like, you know, the only things that did come out before the movie were, like, little bits of criticism of, of certain aspects, certain choices that were made. How do you feel well, about those? I certainly remember the... A uh, trailer dropping, you know, a year and a half ago or whenever. And it was like, you know, oh, like black characters, like that's cool. And then it was like, oh, but he's not going to be a person for the whole movie. <laughs> Very Princess and the Frog. Um, but I think actually that the movie did a better job with that than it. I think people anticipate, or then I think like, you know, it, it seems on face value. Um, I mean, particularly, you know, to the princess and the frog comparison, the criticism here being, okay, yes, you finally put black people in one of your movies, but we're centered your movies around black people. But then, you know, the main characters are not actual, we're not actually looking at black people for the majority of the movie, um, which I think is very true about Princess and the Frog. Um, I think it's less true about this. I think that we see a lot of black bodies and black culture and blackness on screen. Um, We even see Joe's body for, you know, I don't know the time codes, but like I would say for at least half of the movie. Um, And uh, my my other thing about that is just that like, you know, Pixar movies are not always about <laughs> humans. <laughs> like, people were like, finally, Pixar is making a movie about black people and it's not even about people. I'm like, yeah, like most <laughs> Pixar movies. Have you seen A Bug's Life? 
<laughs> yeah, there are there. Are, <laughs> right. <laughs> seen Monsters Inc. <laughs> Actually, yeah, like um, literally, where are the people? Where are the ones with the people? And you know, they're famously Toy Story, white toys, white family, white toys. <laughs> um, you know, I not I think the criticism is there. And I don't think that this, you know, absolves Pixar of ever putting black people in shit ever again. Um, but I thought that it was I don't think that critique holds up as much when we are actually watching the movie. Interesting, interesting. What I, did you think? It didn't I was the water was kind of poisoned for me. Um, sure. Because I definitely saw and read, you know, people's comments and articles or whatever before I saw the movie. Um, that being said, while watching the movie, I what I loved most about it, it's just, it's stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah. And is. there are so many great, I just think so many great choices about what they did with the, the great beyond and the great before. Uh huh. Um, and the Terry and the Jerry's of it all, um, <laughs> like how they how those characters move, um, like the physics of the space. I yeah, I loved the story from that aspect, um, and also the way it pr- portrays New York. Um, I'm, oh, we've got a New York queen over here. Somebody take me away. <laughs> Tell us more about. No, I want to hear more no. about New York. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> You felt it was a very accurate representation of New York. I don't know if accuracy was playing into it, but just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is still animation. Wow. But it, it felt it felt uh, like they were breathing life into something, you know. Yeah. Um, it felt believable. Yeah. And like they were taking me on a journey that I could believe where all these rules, you know, they pitch you a whole concept of afterlife and of of human personality and like there, there's a whole bunch of like metaphysical, yeah. you know, <laughs> kind yeah. of philosophy in there that they, they just kind of throw at you. And somehow I was just like taking it in stride. And I think that's just really efficient storytelling. I totally agree. I think that a movie like that can, it is very easy to become like, wait, and what, and what is this supposed to be? And that doesn't really hold up and what, you know, but I felt like every piece of it, not only like checked out and made sense, but also like had something to say, like even the, um, I mean, I truly thought this about, about all of it. Like the fact that there, that none of the people in the great before are like bad people, I thought was great. Like Mm. even when they're joking about like, (laughs) Oh, like, (laughs) You know, this one like, is going to be a handful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that they, it still wasn't like, I thought that, you know, that is telling us something about nature versus nurture. Are people bad inherently or are they in situations that make them X, Y, and Z? You know, I thought that um, the being in the zone, being really connected to like being like totally out of it in your life, I thought was like really fabulous. I just thought that, it all was like I, I thought conceptually it was like oh my god this all makes sense like you you've created this whole construct and I buy it and I'm into it word um, I and mean, it's a movie about jazz <laughs> so that was part of the I'm of two minds I'm really of two minds because at spill I like you know I love jazz <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and 
we've already talked about how I'm out here identifying with the main character sitting down and reading his life onto the piano. Um, and they really, you know, I guess an animated is a, a movie is a perfect time to do this. They like had him playing the right notes on the piano. I know. I was thinking about that too. That of course, you know, it's very Pixar. So of course they're going to like go through the trouble of figuring it out. But yeah, that it was not just that. I mean, I don't play the trombone, but that from what I've read that when the girl is playing the trombone, it's like, yes, that, that is what did, what you would have to do to a trombone to make it make that sound. <laughs> right. Right. And so like, you know, I love that I'm a music teacher. Oh, like there's a lot of things for me to identify with. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I didn't really feel like the movie was a, a jazz movie, like in its spirit or in its ethic or that it was a black movie. You notice, like, it felt like there were were jazz things on screen and there were black, you know, people being portrayed, but it didn't feel like it was a black movie. And it didn't really Mm. feel like it was about jazz. Um, And then, you know, of course, you do a little reading, you find out that, well, it originally was about something else and they decided to make him a jazz musician instead. Was it really? Yeah, it was a scientist, I believe. Um, Great work, science. You know, discovery, invention, innovation, but they thought that... You know, black people cannot be scientists. (laughs) (laughs) Well... um, Can only be jazz musicians, lucky for us. (laughs) (laughs) Just moving right on past that one. Um, So, in that way, I I felt that. Where it was like, this isn't... This story isn't specific. This was... Mm. uh, it just felt like uh, it could have been. It could have been anybody. I don't know. I think I felt very. I think, I loved the locales that they were. I love like you know that the mother works in the dress shop with the two aunties, and that they're you know that that feels so true to a specific space. I loved that the barbershop felt really true. That that felt like the Pixar version of a, of a barbershop. Um, and that, that scene was so gorgeous with the light pouring in and with all of the hair. And it just is, I loved that. Um, I, then even the, this is, I will ask you about this in a second, but I did feel like there was, something that was brought to the movie specifically by him being a jazz musician and specifically by like be, I I think that there is something about um, black experience that is like, you know, your parents work really hard for you to like not have a, you know, have some throwaway musician career. Um, and it, that to me certainly has felt like a pressure. And that's something that I, I talk to other people feeling pressure about, not to say that that's uniquely a black experience, but I, that did feel it to me, it did not feel like, okay, yeah, like the movie is about this other, th- the movie is about the great before and the great beyond. And so our main character like has to have a job and has to 
you know, have a family. And so we'll just fill in some stuff there. Like I did feel like even the central, this is where the question comes in, the central conflict that he has about like teaching versus performing. What did you think about that, about that portrayal? Mm. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes was when soul is in his body (laughs) and the trombone student comes by Mm -hmm. and they have that exchange in the stairwell and she comes by and she's like, you know, I'm quitting. This is dumb. Mm -hmm. And, you know, soul is like, okay, word. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, can I just play a little bit? And like that, that was real. I just felt, uh, I identified with that moment of like, there's a there's a thing that you can't put down um, about your instrument or about your craft, whatever it is that you love. And even when you kind of hate it, you actually love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the teacher-student aspect of that, where the dynamic kind of flips and soul is learning all this stuff about the new world that right. they're in. And the student comes by, but ends up being the teacher. And yeah. who you think is the teacher is actually the student. I feel that every day when I'm teaching and it's like, you know, I think that I've got my little lesson plan and I think that I, you know, and then someone asks the question or does something unexpected and I'm like, okay, well, all that's out the window. And now I, I, I'm going to have to sit with you and you're going to sit with me and we're going to figure out how to do this thing together. And hopefully at the end of it, you know, you walk away feeling energized, motivated to keep practicing to keep loving this thing that you came here loving. Um, And that it is in that conversation that like teacher is reminded that like, oh yeah, there, you know, there is a reason why I love this. Right. And I, I saw some criticism online that was like, oh, it makes it seem like, you know, teaching is always a backup, you know, that those who can't do teach, and that the real goal is to perform, which I do think is is Joe's thought process for much of the film. But I feel like at the end, the whole point is that he's like, you know, he does the performance with Dorothea, and he's like, wait, I thought that this was going to, you know, this is the thing that I've been waiting for my whole life. Why doesn't it feel like, you know, I am on Clown 9 and have transcended? Mm. We get the iconic, the iconic lines from Angela Bassett as Dorothea Williams about the old fish and the young fish. Where is the ocean? You're in it. No, this is just water. I'm looking for the ocean. Which is a quote, right? Isn't it the Marcus Gladwell thing? Malcolm? (laughs) What'd I say? (laughs) (laughs) Not Marcus. (laughs) As I already said, I don't read books. I only purchase them. Um, <laughs> Marcus and Malcolm are very similar names, and I haven't read that book. <laughs> um, no, this is um, this is water. I think is an essay by that man with three names. Um, it's not Malcolm Gladwell, David Foster Wallace. See, in my head, there's no difference between those two people, or maybe <laughs> I'm sorry, between those two names, or maybe this is water is just a response to that quotation and elaboration upon that quotation from somewhere else. But I think that, like, I I definitely had heard that before this movie. Well, I thought it was absolutely tea. I mean, 
I'm here for, you know that I'm here for the present moment. So the scene where Sol is in his body, I see, the thing is, I- Okay, I'm so, I have to stop you. The character's name is 22. The character's name is not Sol. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, Proceed. Okay, where's the, when Sol 22 is in his body. <laughs> <laughs> well, how come you didn't correct me before? Because I didn't think you were going to say it so many times. What else were we going to talk about? <laughs> Again, I didn't think you were going to say it so many times. Where 22 is in his body and is just experiencing the present moment and, like, the Mm -hmm. leaf falls from the tree and it's like, life is beautiful right now. Like, it's giving you be here now. It's giving you all of that. You know I love that. You mentors with your fixation on purpose. It's not what it's about. That's, that's interesting. Um, Esperanza Spalding had something to say about that, actually. Okay, heard of her. Um, she was doing a live stream on December 31st, um, which is very good. Everyone should go watch it. She was, in her words, metabolizing and alchemizing all of 2020 through okay. like free improv music, um, which she called free medicine. And I think that is what? Brilliant. Um. And in in it, somewhere she like did a little aside. She was like, I don't know if I really agree with Soul's premise. And maybe it, it's up for debate if this is even not the premise, the um, it's kind of conclusion, like that purpose is not the end all be all. Um did that just make sense. It did. I think that well, what do you think? Do you think that, you know, finding a purpose that had that everyone has their express purpose that they like were put on earth to do. And it's about finding that. And that's what's going to make you feel fulfilled. I think there's like a, I'm of, of two minds or maybe I'm not, but I think some people, when they say purpose, they, they mean like, these are the things that I'm going to do in order. Like, they they there are plans associated there are routes and there are paths um and some people when they say purpose it's more abstract and it's like a a general thing that they feel like they're carrying with them through their life um and i'm definitely on the second one um but do you think that in terms of like specific activities skills like I was born to play soccer or to play the cello or to teach French history or to, you know, do you, because that to me, like, I feel like what the, well, let me ask the question. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel that way about things that are super specific and like, you know, in the same way that the souls in the before find that spark and the misconception, according to the right. movie, is that that spark becomes what they, as a human being, will long to do and strive to do and be excellent at. And, like, that is what is, you know, that's the thing that makes them want to become living and to live a life, is to do that thing. As opposed to, like, I think that there can be, I I buy more into that if there are, if the purposes are more abstract. Right, If right. it's about, you know, being kind and loving to others if it's about like sharing yourself with the world but like i think that that's 
different from like, I have to play the piano in the Dorothea Williams quintet, which is like what Joe is about. Right, right. I I mean, this feels like the nature nurture question. You know, like, do we come in with the stuff or do we, does it get tacked on or carved out of us as we move through? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I don't think I have an answer. I mean, I feel like it would kind of be foolish for me to, to give an answer in some way. I don't feel like I know <laughs> enough about life and living. Um, and also it, it feels, it feels like both. I don't know. I, it, it I think, I don't know. I try to think about it and it's like, oh, does someone come in in the world like wanting to play piano? Well, like the abstract concept of the piano, like, you know, didn't exist X number of years ago. So that kind of doesn't make sense to me that someone could come in with such a specific thing when it's like, we can't even dream of of the purposes that people might feel they have a thousand years from now. The world is different. Um. And I feel like we're shaped by, you know, our early experiences and our families. And I don't know, that was also, I feel like we got glimpses into Joe's early life, but we, I don't know, I wanted more. Like, I wanted more context to why he felt this way. Um, I don't know. I felt like I related to Joe's character in terms of it's very easy to get like really locked into a dream or really locked into a goal or to feel like, you know, this is like, I mean, speaking specifically, speaking very specifically as a musician to feel like, God, I have to be making music. And if I'm not making music, then like, I did, you know, I just can't do anything else. Like, you know, it, it just is the thing that like, I feel like I was put on this earth to do. It is the thing that makes me the happiest. I can't even begin to feel satisfied if I'm not doing this in my life, you know, and it, that it becomes very like, I've got to do this thing. I've got to do this. Th- and I can't like, that just has to be the thing. And I think that that gets away from, I mean, again, speaking for myself, like that I don't, there are times when I love music for the sake of its being music. You know, there are times when I love the analysis for the sake of the analysis and because it makes sense to my brain and whether that's nature or nurture or whatever else, like there are times when, when that is the thing, but like, I know that I specifically love music and particularly making music with other people because it is about being present and in community with other people, which is really the thing at the end of the day. And that that is not about, for me, that is really the thing at the end of the day. And that is not about a skill. That is not about a piano. That is not about composition. That's not about chorus. That's not a, you know, that's not about, oh, well, let me take voice lessons and and get a performance of this thing that is exactly how I want it to be, which it becomes very easy to like, you know, in the the world of capitalism to be like, okay, well, I have to like make this thing make money for me so that I can only focus on doing it. Um, but for me, I was like, oh, wait. First of all, the grass is not always greener and that you can, you know, get so hooked onto the goal and the like, I have to do this thing because I was put on this planet to do it and I can't imagine doing anything else. 
that you forget that like there's a million other things to do. And so in that sense, I really resonated with what the movie was trying to say. I really got that message out of it. Just in terms of like, you don't have to have a purpose. You don't have to have some big grand goal. You don't have to like make it to the elite level. You don't have, you know, whatever. That it is about appreciating the things in the moments that they're happening. Whether that's, you know, Joe teaching his middle school band class or 22 sitting and watching, you know, the maple seed fall from the sky. Um, okay. Poetry work. And uh, I, that's what I, when I see the people who are like, Oh, the movie made it seem like being, you know, being a teacher is the fallback and is less satisfying than being the, than being, than performing with, you know, the, the best of the best. I'm like, I feel like we didn't watch the same movie because the part where the most satisfaction is happening is with the students. And the part where he, where Joe is like so visibly dissatisfied is after the performance when he's like, wait, that was supposed to be Nirvana. And it didn't feel like it felt kind of like how a lot of other stuff in my life has felt. Or just like the now what feeling of like, okay, well, you you reached that goal. So now what? Yeah. Uh, And the dissatisfaction that comes with that. Um, And learning to appreciate this, learn to appreciate the stuff that you have feels like a cliche. But like learning to appreciate that the joy that you can feel from that big, high, great goal can be found in other places. That simply it's being inaccessible, it's it's being something you have to like work for does not mean that it's going to be, well, does not necessarily mean that it is going to be more rewarding or more fulfilling or more whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it that, that joy that you just talked about, I think the movie argues that it can be found in existence. Like mm-hmm. 22's dilemma is whether or not to exist as a human being. Mm-hmm. And if it's worth it, if it's if they're going to be good enough, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the movie tries to put forth like, yes, there is value in just being. Um, mm-hmm. And that feels, I mean, th- it echoes this thing that I heard um, Herbie Hancock say once somewhere, um, who was, I think, a, a consultant on this movie, um, which is that, At some point in his life, he had to stop identifying first and foremost as a musician and start identifying as a human being. Um, And like making that the primary identifier um, and letting everything else flow out of that. Um, Because if sometimes, you know, you're not making music, then who are you? (laughs) Right. And it feels like a very like, I don't know, flippant question, but it, I think it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and living life in that space of your humanity actually allows you, powers the music making. When you allow your experience to affect you, you also then have something to say. Yeah. I think there's another movie that has recently come out that speaks to many of the same things, um, but does it in a different way. Um, 
What did you think of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? Well, you know I love Viola Davis. <laughs> I'll watch anything that Viola Davis is in. Um, and you know I love Viola Davis in an August Wilson project. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, Ma Rainey was good to me with, of course, <laughs> George C. Wolfe as the director. That's what yeah. That's right. Yep. I mean, that's, you know, and executive produced by Denzel. It's like, you know, what what more could you ask for? <laughs> it's all <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, I, uh, the, even before talking about what the movie was about, simply the prose of August Wilson is like, it is divine. It's like, it is so the language is so decadent, but also so efficient. Like there's not a word that is wasted, but it's like, you know, it, how does it sound like what, you know, regular normal people sound like, but also is the most beautiful text that you've heard. I am constantly in awe. It's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think, I let's be clear. I don't write words, or sometimes I do, but you know that's another story. Never mind. Anyway, I there's something about the rhythm. I think of the speech and of the text of August Wilson that allows for all of what you were just talking about to happen, and for us to also accept it. Um, yeah, that like the lines off the page are giving you music, and I mean. Music is is sweet to hear. And so with that, like you'll accept you'll accept the decadence like you're talking about and also feel like this is coming out of a real person. Yeah. It it just works so well. It it is hard for me to imagine someone writing that without like spending hours on literally every word. Like what is exactly the correct word in combination with all of the other words that makes all of this balance out so perfectly. Ugh. Just divine, incredible. I am exhausted, actually, at that thought. I brought it up because, you know, it's about a blues singer, famously precursor, parent to jazz. Um, Yes. I guess more spoilers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Bradley Cooper dies in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And it talks about... um, Talks about agency and self-determination very close to purpose. Um, mm-hmm. In the same context of of music and, you know, trying to to make it. Um, you have Ma Rainey who has been making it happen, you know, by hook mm-hmm. or by crook and ha- does have a career and you're seeing Ma Rainey at the end of her career. And then you have um, Levy who's, you know, trying to be making it, trying to get... To where he thinks he wants to go, trying to right. follow, you might say, you know, his calling or his purpose that he feels that he has. And then, you know, the barriers in the way of that. I feel like Levy's, I mean, obviously, the scene at the end where he kills the piano player. That's a real spoiler. Um <laughs> We already said spoiler alert. (laughs) Um, And he keeps saying, he stepped on my shoes. He stepped on my shoes. Yeah. Like, 
so beautifully illuminates the, I think the desperation of like, if you feel like your only thing is, you know, this purpose, if you, Levy obviously is like, I am really good at writing these new arrangements of these songs and people really like them. And that like, is what I was put on this earth to do. Right. Right. Um, and when it, he all of a sudden feels like, oh, he can't do that. That has been blocked from him. Not just from, you know, the, the engineer who will not pay him to record the songs, but also feeling so disrespected by the rest of the band, feel like getting fired by Ma Rainey, feeling slighted by her, but also, you know, in a larger cultural sense of like, you know, he's a black man in the early 20th century. It's like, there's not a lot of like great, you know, when we talk about, Oh, the beauty is in existing. Like it was, it was not the most beautiful existence. Um, and so, well, and still I think, yeah, I think blues music comes out of like, how do you make, the beauty in this existence. And like, then you get the amazing alchemy of that music. Right. And, and I think that he, I think that Levy is too trapped into that purpose and into that goal. And when he feels like there's no way out, he has to do something drastic. Like that, that is why we get this, this desperate and, and terrifying and cruel act that comes out of he's you know he scuffed my shoes like he stepped on my shoes that all of a sudden you know the the smallest tiniest thing is like it's a powder keg um and simply in the context of this conversation about purpose that to me is saying like that it can't just be about oh i was put on the earth to do this one thing because this earth does not always be letting people do the thing that they were put on it to do. Um, you think about the, what was the, the barber in Seoul? What did he say that he wanted to do originally? I want to say veterinarian. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's a, you know, that is a great example of like, you have to find the thing that, that, that there. I think that there is, uh, it says something to me about, um, and this kind of gets back to the dynamic between Joe and his mom. It kind of gets back to, uh, you know, it, it says a lot about Levy and the situation that the, you know, the circumstance that black people were in at the time, um, that like, there is a privilege in saying, oh, well, I'm only going to do this one thing that is my purpose to do. Right. That, you know, in this world, that that is a a privilege. Again, going back to, you know, can you make your purpose a thing that, like, makes money for you and, and like, puts a roof over your head, et cetera. Um, and so that's, like, giving me the, you know, there is a practical element of you can't just be about, you know, your one true passion that that is a luxury that not everyone can literally afford. Um, But also that, you know, 
we, we've got to find more than that. There has to be more than that. There has to, you have to be able to find, you know, if you, if you're going to be existing, you've got to be able to find that reason for existing everywhere. For sure. And, and also, you know, um, figure out how to protect what you have, which I think, you know, Ma Rainey's character really depicts and like makes completely understandable um and uh, and very clear like you know she's got to protect she's got to protect everything that she's worked for and like there are no two ways about it it's like give me the keys and then i'll sign you know let me get in the car and then i'll sign because once i sign you don't need me anymore um and I think even to, you know, in a way that often can seem selfish, can feel selfish, but like that she had a band that then is getting paid for recording these songs, that she's, you know, trying to have her nephew also get paid for his work on the song. Even Levy, who, you know, she ends up firing, but still is going to be paid, you know, it. She had him there in the first place. Right. Um, and that that all is existing at the same time, that it's like a self-preservation that, you know, one part of the brain is is like, no, that's selfish. But then it, it's a self-preservation that she is extending to those around her. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, putting it next to soul... I definitely feel the difference for me is that, you know, August Wilson is writing to black people and soul didn't feel like it was writing to me. It felt like it was writing to a broader and therefore also wider audience. Um, And like getting the backdrop of the great migration and the specifics of of these character stories like Levy's and Ma Rainey's in the midst of this, what is, it's still an everyday black scene, black show, you know, like there's an everyday and it's like, here's a day in the life of these black people. It's just one day. That's Ma Rainey's. And Soul kind of tries to do the same, like, here's just like everyday life thing, but they come across really differently to me. I just don't feel like I'm the audience primarily of one of them. Whereas the other, I feel like I am. Hmm. I mean, you know I'm a Disney Pixar queen. And I still love it. I mean, I still love it. I ate that soul shit up. And I think, I mean, maybe as we transition into a binary, <laughs> as the Disney Pixar queen of the of the bunch, of the pair, the question is, are you a Terry or a Jerry? <laughs> Terry or a Jerry? Well, which one? They all were Jerry, except that one. Except was for Terry. Terry. Terry's Terry's Miss Count. Okay, Miss One. Miss One, truly. Well, that's not me. I'm the other one. <laughs> You're everyone else. I'm a Jerry. <laughs> except, don't call me Jerry. So, see, that's why. I, that's this is why this is for you. Well, what would you say about you? No, about yourself. Oh. I know about me. I know who I am. <laughs> I know who I am. Um, I also have to go with Jerry for me. Um, but the Jerry who, like, 
morphed and then like put all the little souls. I know you love that. <laughs> like just like made some compartments. Absolutely, I'm here to take everyone along the journey with me. Um. Okay. Here's another one. Soul versus twenty-two. <laughs> Lol. Um. Soul versus Princess and the Frog. Soul. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, I haven't gotten to spend as much time with it, so who knows if I'll be able to quote it like I quote Princess and the Frog. (laughs) Transformation Central, I'm just saying. Do you have friends? Transmogrification Central. (laughs) But I mean, off the bat, I just think it's... It's better. It's just better. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I mean, simply to balance it out, I'm going to say Princess and the Frog, but I really don't know. I was shocked that you answered so quickly. Princess and the Frog is so good, dude. It's so uh, good. I, there's a lot of great singing, and you know Amazing how I singing. feel about great Queen singing. Queen Anika Noni Rose. I mean, I mean. Um, her parents in the movie are literally Terrence Howard and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> In terms of iconic black casts, they're comparable. Let's just say that. Um, the songs are so good in The Princess and the Frog. When We're Human, that is my song. Mm. That's my song. And in terms of like, you know, people do fairly, rightfully, critique Princess and the Frog. You know, they're frogs the whole time. But they're serving me by you. They're serving me... Mama Odie, they're serving me magic. They're serving me music. They're serving me food. Like Another. literally the whole <laughs> the whole movie's about food. I think it's kind of a brilliant, like, as in at no point in the story, I think this actually is kind of remarkable. At no point in the story am I like, oh, they had to make the the frog prints about black people and why is it like this like i it the adaptation energy isn't there for you yeah it's like an incredible like it really makes sense in ways that it does not it it was not guaranteed to you know well there are no guarantees (laughs) exactly so i you know i think that even that in that it it seemed it so seamlessly like is, you know, this Brothers Grimm fairy tale, but, like, is set in New Orleans, and it makes sense that it is that way, and the music all makes... You know, I just think that that's really... I think it's really outstanding. And When We're Human is a great song. Like, a great song. (laughs) Wait, say it one more time for the people in the back. (laughs) Not to be confused with Human Again from Beauty and the Beast, which is also a great song. We'll be human again. Well, I hope uh, you're enjoying this present moment. I hope you're enjoying your existence right now. <laughs> Cause, I'm um, watching the leaves fall around me. Wow. And I'm getting my spark. <laughs> go get your spark. Hashtag go get your spark in 2021. Hashtag go get your spark in 2021. That's what people are saying 2021 is about. It's actually the official year of the spark. It's the year of the spark. Like, yes. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening, divas. We Love That is brought to you by Kenyon and Jerome. Our music is by Sophia Campomore, and our art is by Griffin Keller. And please drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. Spoiler alert, right here at the top, Soul and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, because that's what we're talking about today, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it? (laughs) No.